I feel like all my voice is coming from my nose. I feel like the sickness is still... I feel like I'm still down with the sickness. Do you, do you get it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Madness I is mean... the gift that has been given to me. <laughs> Sick of us yet? <laughs> Too bad! <laughs> We're gonna make disturbed references. <laughs> Early aughts new metal. <laughs> this is bonus experience. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
that you're providing for them, um, they're able to act on it ideally and cause new events and outcomes. Um, if you are refusing to let your players have any agency by railroading them, you've basically removed their ability to take any sort of significant action. Not just their ability to make choices, but removing consequences from those choices. Kind of like um, running your game as though it were like a one-star show and the players are just there to like watch you do it. Um, very recently I had, um, so I listen, I, Monica. Yeah. Monica, I listen to a lot of podcasts. No way. On my own time. Okay. I do. I do. I've been known to enjoy a podcast or two. Really? Um, one of my favorites is, um, a really popular, well-liked, uh, actual play podcast. Okay. Tell me more. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go into detail because it's extremely popular and extremely well-liked okay. and I'm about to say bad things about All it. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't want to, I, I want everyone to know. I, I, I have, I've narrowed it down to two. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to know. I love this podcast and I love the people that are in it and that take part in it and run in it. But they did a, an arc recently that was, um, the, the GM was the first time GM and they were running fate Okay. and it, I, I had to like rage quit out of a couple of the episodes because this was a first time GM who was railroading constantly. Like not just that the players weren't given choices, but that their choices were completely stripped of consequences. Like they would say, okay, I'm going to do the thing. And then he wouldn't even let dice hit the table. He'd say, okay, well you go to do that thing. And then this other person stops you. And then that would be the entirety of the, of the conflict. And it made me extremely angry and upset. And at the end of the, at the end of the arc, they were like, I don't think fate's going to work for us. I was like, you weren't playing it right, though. <laughs> it made me extremely sad. Um, I, so railroading is, you know, when you think the story is more important than the characters. So leapfrogging off of the idea of an extremely popular um, portrayal of D&D, and I am actually going to say the name because uh, they're way bigger than we are. So, eh. um, <laughs> But like, don't use Harmon Quest as a good example of how to run D&D. Who does? Um, Wait well, a minute, but like Harmon Quest? Yeah, have you ever really? seen Harmon Quest? I love Harmon Quest. Yes. It's a lot of fun, but like, I'm going to say that because like Spencer has to railroad them because it's a TV show. Mm -hmm. Like, like it is both a good example of like, this is railroading, but you also have to understand that in this ca that case, like it is a TV show for entertaining and uh, for entertainment and like playing a role-playing game is entertaining to the people who are playing it because you are both the audience and the actors. Um, and like an outsider watching you do that isn't terribly fun. Like, <laughs> yes. Uh, so actual actual plays—they're not just thinking about the game; they're also thinking about the wider audience. So they have to think about what's going to be good radio, what's going to be good TV. TV. Yeah, and especially a TV show because, like, I think you can get away with more of the like if you edit out a, if you you know edit and post out all like the rolling and the arguing over what the stat means and all that stuff. Like, then you can sort of string together a good actual play. Um, but like for TV, <laughs> you have to keep it moving. Um, so like guys understand that that is for TV and that like the things the GM does to like force them into situations is because they are entertaining for a show. That is not a good example. That's not actually how it goes. Please don't right. actually like, <laughs> please don't follow that example. <laughs> Though I don't think anybody who watches Harmon Quest and thinks that that's how D&D goes is listening to our show, but hey... <laughs> If you are, I don't know. If you are, it's not a good example. Please don't actually do that. That's that's cut for TV. But anyway, what's more common among um, gamers who are not cut for TV um, is that uh, people are like, "But my story, 
but my yeah. players are gonna mess with my story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the I was in the official playtest for Through the Breach Second Edition, and one of the guys in the playtest was like arguing with the developer over and over again because like, oh, if the player characters get these things, then my story. No, fuck you. More on this later. <laughs> <laughs> no fuck you. no fuck see you. below <laughs> well you have this other like cool thing that you call like it's not railroading oh right well, yeah. for you bus ticketing um so um i got to listen to will heinmarch who is an indie author he used to work for white wolf comics path maybe he still does i'm not 100 percent sure he does lots of cool stuff on the indie side um very much a mm, seasoned personage in the wow excuse that burp Edit that out in post. <laughs> hey, hey, Margaret, edit out that belch. <laughs> All right, continue. Margaret will get it. All right, cool. He pointed out in a, I want you to see him talk at Metatopia, which is a really rad game design con in New Jersey. And anybody who's interested in game design and playtesting should totally go. Yeah, I should find a way to attend that yeah. one of these years. That would be really cool. You should. You should come and stay with me and Henry. Yeah, okay. Just have a room. Get, get the Vs involved. Yeah, they we're talking about maybe not gum coming this year because it's sort of a pain for them to get all the way across the fucking country. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. anyway so like he pointed out in, in this discussion about like viewing the, the narrative as a thing you can actively mess with. Um, because when you were role playing, when you were playing these games, you're not, you're not creating a thing. You're not writing a book. You're not filming a movie. There's no tangible, product at the end you just all of you have imagined different things and like don't get anything out of it there's nothing physical there's nothing final so there's literally if you look at it that way there's nothing stopping you from going i don't like how this scene is resolving let's stop take it from the beginning again back it up yeah yeah exactly Uh, it's not like this has to have like a cohesive it's you know it's a game you could save scum it if you want if you want to yeah and in the same talk he brought up that the the game's plot itself is a course that everyone is on. It's a ride you've all to, all agreed to take. So stop looking at the railroad as a thing that's bad. Um, that that that's actually good. You want to get on the railroad. You want to go to your stop. Like you buy a ticket to go to your destination. That gets you from point A to point B. That's the whole point of hopping aboard. Um, and because the the term railroading bothers people. Um, I call good railroading bus ticketing because you're not necessarily <laughs> forcing someone to go down a railroad. Um, you are offering them a trip to a place they would like to go. Who knows how we'll get there? Let me see your ticket. <laughs> what if I offered you this ticket for free to a destination that I would also like you to go to? Okay. Most people, most people take the bus ticket. There's been very few instances in which I've been like, here's a here's a free pass to a thing that I want you to do, and that some that somebody didn't like go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that sense, before we get on to talking about like actually railroading, good things. I we should probably develop a little more like, okay, here's the times when railroading's like bad, of course. Here's why people don't like railroading when you refer to it as such. The way you can tell that your railroading is the bad kind is you've decided that the story in your head, that the stuff you've come up with on your notes and all that is way more important than what the players want to do. Um, as soon as you find yourself worrying that the players are messing up your plot or your characters, you know that you've got the, the Disneyland fun tracks, that this isn't going anywhere that anyone else wants to go to. Yeah. Um, 
you're you're on the bad railroad when you actively choose to invalidate your players' choices and actions for the thing you want anyway. I brought up the example that like you know the thing in video games where like you win the battle in actual combat and then the villain is still alive and defeats you in the cutscene. And then you're like, what the fuck? I kicked their ass. I hate that. Yeah. I use all those high potions. Right. You still like, beat me. <laughs> you waste all your resources winning the fight, and then then the bad guy gets to escape. Or yeah, you know. your 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 choices had absolutely no consequences. Like, oh, he was just going to beat me anyway. Right. All right. right. It's it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. You, sh- um, you shouldn't do the same thing in your tabletop games. Yeah, if you're gonna do something like that, do it like rarely and make it really cool and worth it so that people talk about it as opposed to like yeah he always has these fights where like the bad guy always wins even if we like then you're gonna be like one of those guys because players can tell players are able to intuit when you're robbing them of your agency if if or robbing them of their agency they they will start to raise a stink about it they will start to get upset you'll start to see them disengaging from the table like you'll you'll know if something has gone wrong with your narrative devices um, and I guess, you know, I understand this can sometimes be like a real issue in games with a higher power level, like the feeling of, well, I have all these spells or I have such a high modifier, or blah, blah, blah. I should have been able to do something. I should have been able to take a third option or do this or do that. And you can't really prepare for everything when you want to use this perfect set piece. I I know, but th- there's there's different techniques you can use to kind of use railroading in a good way, like... The times that railroading might actually be like the way to go. The times when you want to hand them the bus ticket. Maybe they don't even know that you've put it in their pocket, but they're going on a trip. I sometimes like to incentivize the bus ticket. Sometimes there's a thing that I really want to use and like just sort of convince somebody to go do it. Oh, just like straight up tell them, here's what's in it for you. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> like, if you go talk like to out this of guy. Same PC <laughs> I spent several hours thinking about. Uh, I don't say that part out loud. Usually I'm like, Hey, if you go talk to like you know the Duke, he'll be able to provide uh, you know resources for your army or whatever you know um, because right, I give them give them the breadcrumbs right. as opposed to like forcing their hand. Yeah, like point out that like yeah the, the the Duke likes you guys. You've been really successful and like he's willing to back you, but you're gonna have to come to his court or whatever because I had a whole like court thing planned or whatever, and I thought that would be really cool and I don't want it to go to waste. And I don't really want it to wind up on the cutting room floor. So I'm going to bus ticket everybody into going there. <laughs> so you make it really worth their yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, just make it worth their while. Um, and, like, while you can think that that's the bad sort of railroading, because, sure, I'm trying to talk people into doing the thing I wanted them to do in the first place, like, it's not really also, because, like, I'm making it worth their while. And if people do, in fact, go, mm, no, we'd rather see, like, what the Baroness has to do then I'm like, all right, well, cool. I guess I'll figure her out too. <laughs> but yeah, but going yeah, back to being able to kind of like think on the fly, right? But going back to one of our much earlier episodes too, don't present a choice that's not a choice, right? <laughs> if it is, if there's not really a choice, don't present it as one. So these two things go hand in hand. Well, one of the things that um, we've we've kind of glossed over so far, we kind of we kind of touched on it with the bus ticketing, like, okay, here's your ticket, we're going somewhere fun. There's some railroading like necessary to every game some i mean you have to kind of start off a session one with some sort of railroading like you the part of the social contract of the game is you know one it's assumed all the characters are going to work together at least in some fashion they may not like each other they may undermine each other in certain ways but they're going to be working together in a party um and two the players 
and you will do what's necessary to keep the game and the story going. And your end of the contract means that you're trying to make sure that those two points are never a bummer to enforce. But you still have to come to the table with, all right, rule number one, how do you know each other? or How are we going to get to know each other? So you kind of have to railroad them together in the first place. And then, you know, okay, number two, maybe you only keep this to yourself, but like, what are we going to do? What stops my willing to pull out just to make sure that the game keeps going, that the story keeps moving? Yeah. Railroads, railroads not, railroading's not so bad. Sometimes you have to railroad. Yeah. In fact, you, you likely will railroad on the first session, and not a lot of people are going to get pissed at you for that, because getting a whole bunch of weirdos together on day one of your campaign is a feat. Like, if you've got, you know, like I just started a Dungeon World game, we have a an evil immolator, a good paladin, a neutral wizard, and a neutral thief, and we had to figure out how the fuck these guys knew each other with a good paladin and then a decidedly evil character, and then these other two guys that are like, I don't give a fuck, one of, them, one of whom is a criminal. Like, we had to figure out, like, how are you lying about this? How do you not tell him about that? Like, you've got you've to figure it out. Even if, at any point, the paladin could say, no, I'm smart enough that I would know that he's evil. But you kind of got to go along to get along for that first session. Yeah, I think some of that also, like, getting the players to agree ahead of time out of character. That, like, here's where, why our players, are, why our characters are together. And, like, right. I think it's perfectly fine for the um, the guy playing the paladin and the person playing uh, the evil emulator to agree out of character that, like, our characters don't like each other. Um, yeah. And that, like... Yeah. I guess we'll get into we'll get into more of like in and out of character divide and all that stuff probably when we talk about diegesis and stuff like that later. Right. The way we ended up rolling with it is the paladin is just extremely clueless <laughs> and doesn't and doesn't realize that this is an emulator and that he's evil. He just keeps finding him in these burning buildings and pulling him out like, "Oh, I keep saving you." <laughs> he's just extremely dumb. <laughs> that works too. And he, he loves it. He's been going along with that. He loves it. <laughs> well, good. Um, that sounds like you guys work something out. That, that, that's good. And I'm not even sure that, like, players agreeing to work with each other is really railroading. I guess kind of is, but, like, that's more... I've I've been in some groups where they consider that railroading. Like, no, I want to play the evil character, and I want to I want to screw everybody over. Like, this is gonna be interesting. And yes, I mm-hmm, yeah, I know. <laughs> I hope you could hear the face I, I made. <laughs> It made an imprint on me. Sure it did. I mean, just remember that, that as Will said, a railroad takes you to the places you want to be. Um, it's really not bad if it keeps your players on track to, the, to their destination, and they should be plot points that everybody is invested in. Like, the, you know, the bus ticket doesn't force you onto a track. It's offering you a place to go, um, and usually a place you want to go. Like, I mean, if someone was like, hey, here's an all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii, you'd take it, right? Yeah, you'd be like, sweet, sweet. when are we leaving? Yeah, right? Hey, here's a bus ticket to the to the resolution of your character's tragic backstory, and also a really cool sword. Oh, okay, okay sure, great. Um, and like, as I started talking about earlier, you, can, I'm not above bribing people into taking a bus ticket. <laughs> um, like either with uh, something concrete, like um, you know, you'll find allies in the city of diamonds. Like if you're playing a game where like finding resources or having backup is desperate and you need that and like being like here's a tangible thing your characters are going to get in game if you go to this place i'm not going to keep that from you that's where you need to go to find it um or like more meta 
telling people like there's no shame in running from this encounter with the dragon like if it's too hard you guys can pull out that's fine which much in the same vein of like players agreeing to work together at the beginning of the game is i guess sort of railroading but only sort of so you would consider suggestions from the gm like kind of like like friendly reminder you don't have to fight this thing you would consider that bus ticketing that's it's a kind of bus ticketing I mean, it's a bus ticket away from the fucking dragon. Yeah, I, I it's <laughs> so like that's more like stage direction <laughs> or like the tutorial yeah. pop up. Then you're sort of like, hey, yeah. you don't have to stay here. This is not a thing you must do because I feel like it's X to run away. Yeah, I think players often feel like that they must do something. They got to commit. If you start something, you got to finish it. There's no backing out of it or whatever. Like we're going to we're going to die on this hill. And you're like you, you didn't have to. You don't have to do any of this. Yeah, I wonder where that cuz any anytime I I read about like the systems conflict system or something like that, the, the old school like you know, like the the D20 systems don't really have a failure condition beyond you died. Like do you know what I mean? Like there's no like okay, we couldn't pull this off so we ran or we couldn't pull this off so we tried something else that wasn't combat. They focus so much on if the co- the combat failed because you died, and that was that was the game over. Well, yes, but really classic D anD D, like basic and uh, advanced, and all those like prior to uh, prior to second edition D anD D. The goal was to get treasure and then bring it back to civilization. So like you didn't get a lot of XP. For killing monsters, you got XP for collecting treasure. So the goal was to go into a dungeon, think your way through it, and somehow get all the treasure out without losing your character. So the focus was was more on the boon as opposed to just mowing, mowing down, down as many encounters as you could. Right, and 2nd edition and 3rd edition onward is where the focus shifted more to, you get XP for killing shit. Huh. And I knew this because I actually really like playing basic D&D of all the D&Ds. Because if I'm going to play uh, a four hit point shit farmer, um, I would at least like it to feel like a roguelike in which, you know, the goal (laughs) is to like figure out how to block the door and keep the zombies from ripping off my flesh while I climb over them, you know, to get the pile of gold behind them, you know, and I don't fight any encounters. The point is to be clever and to think your way around trapped because if you fight them, you're going to die. I didn't know that the original experience was more trap based. It was more like thought based. So so D&D was was really more of a heist game. Well, like the, the used to... Like, there used to be, like, competitive time dungeons where, like, you and your team would try to beat the dungeon in the shortest amount of time. <laughs> Speed run your campaign. Right, well, that's why, like, things... <laughs> I mean, the, the Tomb of Horrors was really sort of... Uncle Gary um, was fed up with his players, so he made a thing that was really hard. Um, so that's why the traps are also fucking nasty. Yeah, yeah. but, like... Not, not just because he wanted to, to screw you over, but because it was about the traps. Yeah. I mean, that was that one specifically, like, fuck you, this is too hard intentionally. Um, but there are other adventures out there, which I don't know off the top of my head, and I'm sure Henry would if he were in the room, um, but he's not. So, uh, but there were other adventures out there that were intended for, like, you and your, you make your party, you play through the dungeon against against the DM. There, It is kind of antagonistic, where, like, you are trying to defeat the monsters, get the treasure, get out as fast as you can. Huh. Um, okay. And, like... That was a thing, and in fact, um, Henry and a bunch of our friends 
many years ago used fourth edition to do the same thing to play how did it translate up into fourth edition fine (laughs) in fact fourth edition is maybe the best system to play a time i know fourth fourth edition is like your your three-legged puppy that you're trying to protect from the cruelties of the world i know it's actually not a three-legged puppy it's a perfectly fine and healthy puppy that everyone believes is a three-legged puppy but that's its own show (laughs) <laughs> there's nothing wrong with this puppy. Yeah, there's literally nothing it's wrong with this puppy. It's just a slightly different looking puppy. puppy. Yeah. It's got big World of Warcraft pauldrons, and it's doing great. Anyway, World of Warcraft copied D&D in the first place. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a different topic. They We're talking about railroading each other We're talking now. about railroading tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do you railroad without people knowing that you're railroading and getting mad at you? Um, I don't know. I do it pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> okay yes but for the people who don't yeah, do it like, easily i don't know if i could teach somebody how to be charming <laughs> <laughs> all right well we talked about it earlier when we we're saying the biggest choice the biggest thing you can do is to not actually give them a choice right, yeah, in yeah. the first place That's fair. okay even if you try to make the correct answer to a problem as obvious as possible if it is multiple choice there is always a chance your players will pick the incorrect answer sometimes they do it out of sheer obstinance i know i've seen them do it so don't Make it multiple choice, like make it a statement or montage it and move on past whatever. Don't say like, oh, there are three doors and two are obvious. They're dripping blood and you can hear screams and one is like sunshine and flowers. Yeah, someone's going to be, like, gonna be I like, like, I don't trust that one. I want to go down the metal door. This is clearly a trap. Yeah. Screaming door looks good. Just if you don't want to fucking deal with that, because I know they're going to pick the wrong door. Just yeah, say there's only them, one way forward. Just don't... Don't give them a wrong door a to lot go of, down. A lot of new DMs and GMs feel like choice just for choice's sake is like imperative to the game, but it just it just plain isn't. You uh, don't have to give people choices for literally everything. You're not a level designer. <laughs> yes. You're not a level designer. Um, you're an improv story writer. Yeah, more or less. Um, but as we talked about in one of our other previous episodes... If you have players who are invested because you built trust, they will accept your bus ticket because they trust you. Uh, they trust that you're going to take them to a place they want to go. And the, the more you build that trust, the more likely they are to do things say, like say things like surprise me, which is my favorite thing people mm-hmm. say, you yes. know, like, and, yes. and when your player says something like surprise me, that means they trust you implicitly. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's the, I know you'll come up with something cool. Just drop it on me. Surprise me. Surprise me. <laughs> but, like, back to the two doors thing, like, don't... <laughs> the other thing that I suggested even... I, I bring this up in one of our other episodes, too, is that, like, if you have two doors and one of them is wrong and they pick the wrong one, you just move the correct answer behind the wrong door. <laughs> yeah, if you've got to have these three doors and they're like, I don't trust that sunshiny flower one, I think it's a trap. And they go through one of the doors that you didn't expect in the pick. Just change it. Like, oh, you were right. That one was a trap. So you're so clever and they'll feel really good about themselves and you don't have to worry about coming up with anything new. You could also always fill in the blanks later. So if they come back to the same junction where they had those two doors to go through and they had picked the bleeding screaming door and then they want to go through the sunshine and flowers door, you have had all that time to figure out what's behind it. Um, and you can, you can always go back and fill in the spots where people were like, Hey, did you tie these two points together? And you're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My plan. <laughs> Nobody will ever know. <laughs> um, my other two uh tricks that I really like to use now, I think are again are very apocalypse worldy, because that <sighs> the system is beautiful. Um, I 
like to offer the choices up front and give and kind of prep them for the way to respond like um oh you uh your character just watched some some crazy shit go down and totally needs a drink so are you going to go to some ritzy upscale wine bar are you going to fall into the nearest place with a liquor license and you're making assumptions there like okay one your character needs a drink two you're going to get a drink three will it be high end or seedy like you are assuming what they would do but if you already have that trust in place if there's already the engagement there they'll be like yeah you're right i did see some shit oh and then they you have they have a choice where you're gonna go for your drink but you still kind of push them down this path um that and the other sorry oh i was just gonna say that in some ways also lets your own players push the cart down the railroad (laughs) yeah you have determined the destination, right? Like, you've decided a, a drinking hole of their choice. And then it's of their choice. And of their design. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and then the, the, the natural kind of uh, next fractal down from that um, to let them fill in the blanks. Which, if you've got a set piece coming and you know it's going to be really fucking cool and you really want to get this bus ticket in their hand, um, you ask the player to help you come up with how it happens. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, like if they, they were, they were focusing on this one part of a quest, but they haven't heard from this other part of the quest in a while, like the evil merchants guild has kind of fallen into the background. They come out of the dungeon and they find themselves surrounded by arms, armed mercenaries from this evil merchants guild. Oh, oh, didn't you guys leave a watch? What happened to your watch? And it's like, oh no, what did happen to our watch? And then they can kind of from there fill in like, okay, so what would have happened to let these guys actually get the drop on you. Um, and then they, they kind of have a, have a hand in their own railroading. Um, and I think this requires probably the most trust from players. If, if you're like dropping bombs on them, like kind of taking things a little bit out of their hands. So maybe not as useful for say one shots at a convention table where you don't know any of the people there and you don't know what they're willing to, to let slide. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, on the same apocalypse world, thread. Apocalypse World also directs you to think off screen. Um, That's one of those things that I wrestle with a little bit because too much thinking off screen like I I feel like that's a thing people can interpret as bad railroading and then like. Well how so? Like so if you have your like big bad make a major move off screen because the players chose to prioritize one plot thread over another um your players might think you were punishing them for choosing one plot thread over another. Well, in certain games, like especially in Apocalypse World, where the whole where one of the themes is scarcity, yeah. you have a scarcity of resources, you have a scarcity of time, and if you're using the, you know, uh, broadcast future badness move, I think is I don't think that's the exact, but you're like foreshadowing, like okay, big bad's doing this, okay, big bad's doing this, and then you can make your move hard if they haven't actually like responded to it in any way. But yeah, I can see how like. If you're working off camera and they haven't seen it happening and then suddenly it just drops on them, they could be like, well, wait a minute. I couldn't, I didn't even have time to react to that one. Yeah. I couldn't have changed that. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Or maybe I'm just impressing my own anxieties onto other people. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want? Do you want to talk about it? Not on, not, (laughs) not, not live anyway. (laughs) Oh, okay. God. Oh God. Oh, sorry. Both gassy tonight. Uh, Lacroix. <laughs> or La- Lacroix. 
<laughs> swine. Isn't it supposed to be French? What else do I have here? Um, oh, don't. If you've got to do one of these sneaky railroad things where you kind of like limit the choices, try not to make it because of character skill. Um, don't try to, don't say bad things happen because a character was incompetent somehow. This is always a bummer. People don't, unless they're sp- explicitly like, I want my good paladin to be clueless and not know that that guy is evil. People don't generally like to play incompetent characters. They like to play someone who's cool or someone who's smart or someone who's sexy or whatever. And they don't want it to be like, well, I'm supposed to be the sexy one. How come this happened? I should have seduced him or whatever. Make sure that it's about, you know, something that would have been out of their character's control as opposed to a failure on the character's skill. Yeah, fail forward. If we consider fail forward, if we consider fail forwarding a kind of railroading, maybe we should do a show so. on failing forward. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I love it. using that. I I tried to put that into like a D twenty. Oh, fa- and that like, was like whoa. Fail forward always in every game ever. Yeah, we had one um, situation where um, we had this terrible like like some sort of demon dragon. I'm not really sure what was going on, and our wizard had oh what was he? Get? Oh, I already forgot the name of the skill where he was going to try to take control of it because it was technically an elemental. And it was such a bold, fucking brassy move. And, and we're like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to work. And of course he didn't. He rolled like a three. Which in D20 is like, no, nothing happens. But if you fail forward, it's going to be like, okay, well, wait. Like, he sh- this was such a cool idea. Like, maybe you do take control of it, but it possesses you. And now you're sharing up, you know, like fail forward so your cool thing can still happen but at a price yeah for sure i don't know where that accent came from i don't know for sure <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i don't have anything to add to that that was a good point i think our uh, i think our railroading discussion was concise just a good just the end of the railroad <laughs> we managed to keep this to like 30 minutes like we're supposed to <laughs> Hey, I feel great. Fantastic. Good job. So anyway, okay, have some more lacroix. Don't we um we have places you can find us on the internet now. Got we got some stuff. By the time this is a thing on the internet, yeah. you'll be able to reach us there. Yeah, we have um uh oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, oh, all this stuff that I wrote down the names for the thing. Hang on, I uh, have Okay. Them. We're on Twitter. Individually, you can find us on Twitter. I'm Ray underscore Cole on Twitter. I am at Zenith Sun. Zenith, like the position of the sun, and sun is in the sun. You know what? I've done that better. <laughs> like the exalted cast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so we are. Yeah. Um, bonus exp cast at gmail.com. Yeah, email us. Hey, what could they email us? We. Like- welcome your polite and engaged feedback to steal the line directly from Cameron Esposito. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's a great phrase. I was like, Cameron, I'm going to copy that. You're a famous comedian, and I'm at the office talking out loud to my phone. <laughs> uh, you can also Please, find please, us on Twitter, um, bonus exp cast at Twitter. Um, and we will at some point have a website up and running, and also bonus exp cast.wordpress.com. Yes, bonus experience is taken in like all its forms on all social media. <laughs> so I had to put cast at the end of It's fine. That's where you can find us if you have things to add or questions or comments or, I don't know, funny gifts, um, friend codes for games. I don't know. 
slide into my DM. Like, what? My mic just randomly decided it was not going to be plugged in anymore, despite being completely plugged in. Uh-oh. That's what my radio silence there for a sec was. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, if you have suggestions for other shows, um, topics you'd like to hear us talk about, you can send them to any of those places. Yeah, come take um, a look at all the stuff we have. If you say nasty stuff to us, we will read it out loud on the air in funny voices. Oh, we're totally going to make fun of you. Oh, yeah, we're really going to make fun of you. We're going to laugh the whole way. I guess that's it for, for this episode. Okay. We'll figure out a sign-off eventually. Good night. <laughs> we still have the, This is like episode five. I know. <laughs> what do we do? Just fucking change it if you want. <laughs> just, just change it if you want to. Just change it if you want to. That's it. listening take plus one forward to gming this week <laughs> we are written and produced by monica and ray our theme song is reuse noise with the light by cdk and is used under the attribution non-commercial creative commons license our logo and art are by nino studios and e n o and you can find them on facebook instagram and twitter you can earn more bonus experience on wordpress itunes or wherever you get podcasts thanks again and we'll see you in the next episode